Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. Yes, that could mean you too. The workouts have been designed to fit into your life so you can move when you can. The 15 minutes you can squeeze in before work. The 20 minutes you get to yourself while the baby naps. The half hour you can spare at lunch. There's a routine for you no matter what your day looks like. A reminder as well, this is included in your Mum Mia subscription. If you are a Mum Mia subscriber, you already have access to Move. Download the Move app and log in with your Mum Mia login. Head to move.mamamia.com.au and use code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. This is another show from the Mamma Mia Podcast Network, the number one women's podcast network in the world. If you're listening while you're walking, step it out. Before the days you had a baby, you simply opened the door and walked out. Right, Christy? <laughs> you'd walk out, you'd go out, you'd kill time. I don't even remember what I did before I had a baby when I left the house. Oh, you might just like brush your hair. In fact, you'd probably spend a lot of time doing your hair. But then you'd just walk out of the door yeah. and off you go. And what are you going to do? Simple. Not anymore. Getting out of the house is a full-on mission that takes serious planning. This is year one. It's the podcast that takes you through the first year of your baby's life, including wherever you want to take them. I'm Holly Wainwright and my first trip out of the house after my daughter was born involved me being vomited all over in a public toilet in a shopping centre. <laughs> Enough about that. I'm a mother of two. I am the head of entertainment at Mamma Mia and I also host the parenting podcast This Glorious Mess. And I'm Christy Hayes. I have two kids under three. I'm a TV actress, a wife, mother and I'm a breakfast radio host who gets up at 3.30am, quietly sneaks outside of the house and it sounds terrible but happily says goodbye to my kids when I go to work so I can escape <laughs> the crazy breakfast routine and everything that comes along with it as much as I miss them when I'm gone. That does not sound terrible. That sounds quite peaceful. <laughs> it does, actually. <laughs> this episode is all about getting out of the house. What should you actually take with you and what can you leave in the car? Where are the best places to go? And if you've got anxiety about getting out of that house, we'll walk you out of the front door and be with you every step of the way. If you're ready to venture out into the world your first time, just you and your bub, we asked you on the pod phone, what was your first trip out of the house like? Finally went to my work place and I stayed there for maybe 40 minutes and then came home and I felt like I had conquered everything I'd ever wanted to achieve in my entire life. I remember being very uncomfortable and then you've got to breastfeed and got to find somewhere suitable. I was often with my sister who had, she was up to her third baby, so she was very cavalier about it all. It was just getting too tiring and, and too hard. And I realised that I was doing it more for other people than for me. I just felt scared the whole time. I was like, oh, God, what's going to happen on this car trip? What's going to happen? I didn't ever really relax and enjoy it, which is a pity. But luckily I had two more kids and I relaxed a bit more with those two. My mum forced me to get out of the house. And so I took my pillow, I took a blanket, I took like five sets of clothes, I took a spare set of clothes for me, I took my breast pump just in case, um, we had two massive baby bags full of stuff, plus the breast pillow and my blanket. Finally, the time comes when you can get out of the house for the first time. Who knew that would be such an achievement? But there's planning involved, serious planning. Beth Barclay has been practising as a Tresillion-trained Mothercraft nurse for 20 years. She's the founder and director of the Mothercraft for Babies Nursing Agency in Sydney, and she is a private nursing and parenting consultant. Beth, we are all guilty of overpacking when we go out for those early baby <laughs> missions. <laughs> 
what do we really need in our nappy bag? And do we need a nappy bag in the first place? Yeah, you probably need to keep it simple, but there's lots of staples that you need. Mm-hmm. So if you think about what do I need to change the baby? So I need nappies, I need wipes, I might need cream, I'll need a nappy bag. I think those Glad snap block bags are sensational. So I'd always have a few of those in my going out bag with baby because you can use that for everything. A change mat because mm-hmm. you're not quite mm-hmm. sure where you're going to be in terms of putting baby down to change. Probably a change of clothes just in case the poo runs out of the nappy. Which um, always which happens it, when yeah, you leave the house. Absolutely. Straight away. Or the vomit runs out the other end. They're probably the basics. I'd probably always have a hat in my nappy bag, whatever the age of the baby, just because we live in Australia. That sounds like a relatively sensible amount of stuff. Does I'd pack a suitcase, <laughs> everything but the kitchen sink. I mean, just overpacking galore. I'd take extra socks for them, and then my own stuff as well. And you're bleeding, so you've got to pack pads, and you've got to pack the, mm. you know, the milk when you're leaking yes. and all that sort of stuff. Mm. And just oh, and the the wraps though, they always came in handy. I do remember I'd always have multiple little yes. sort of muslin wraps, which yes. were great because you know you're breastfeeding or. They act as like a little blanket or they can help with the sun and all that sort of stuff. Bibs. Bibs. Cloth nappies. I'd always forget bibs. My mum would be like, Christy, you have to take bibs for the baby. And I'm like, oh, well, they didn't do anything, mum. You know, they vomit on me anyway. (laughs) What's the point in having all these bibs? Just something to wipe it up. That's right. An extra thing to clean, really. Beth, where do you stand on the idea of when you should be leaving the house? Because there are some cultures, obviously, who, and I mean, and some advice that you should leave the house as little as possible in the first six weeks and some people have like a lie I think they call it a lie-in don't they I mean, oh, well, is that a lie-in no, it's, not, it's not a lie-in but it's what they call <laughs> yeah. it the idea of not leaving yeah. the house for 40, 40 days, days. Yep. I found personally that I had to leave the house I, I guess maybe because I live in a relatively small place and it was a sanity saver for me should you be worried about how much you're doing going in and out with a new baby Again, I think that's a personal choice. I probably, for the first couple of weeks, there's just so many big things that you're trying to deal with in terms of baby. I suppose most of the mothers I speak to probably aren't going anywhere much for the first two weeks as mm. they all settle in, they come come home. And all those firsts are just such a huge undertaking for so many mums. So I think I'd keep it simple. Breastfeeding in public can create some anxiety levels. When do I take my baby out? And please God, this baby doesn't cry hysterically when I am out. So there are little strategies you can put around that in terms of feeding before you go out and probably getting back if you're only spending an hour or two out and coming back so you don't have to deal with that mm, whole thing. Mm. So, And the other thing to, to consider is immunisation program and those babies aren't immunised for quite some time so you'd have to think about really where you're going to go and keep it real in terms of not going anywhere where there's a whole heap of people. I probably wouldn't take a newborn baby to a Westfield or and particularly in winter in terms of colds and flu and whooping cough and things like that. So until they've had their immunisations, you wouldn't take them to a place that might have lots of people? When they're a bit older, absolutely. Their immunisation starts, um, protocols start at six weeks. But up to six weeks, I'd probably be very careful about who's holding baby. Trusted family who are visitors, you know, trusted visitors, etc. particularly family and grandparents, I'd be making sure they've got flu and whooping cough injections if Mm -hmm. they're going to be handling baby. So for that first six weeks, I'd probably be careful keeping baby in the pram and then after that just be sensible 
um, mm. in terms of where you're taking blood. But you can't, nobody's staying home all day anymore. You're, you're A, you're not used to it, and B, I think the walls just cave in. They do. Oh. Yeah. They start closing yeah. in on you. Yeah. They do, they really do, don't they? And it's mm. difficult because you have, you have to get out of the house and then things like feeding them when, when you're out of the house, whether that be breastfeeding or mm. if you're on bottles, mm. say, we went to bottles quite early with our babies for mm-hmm. a multitude of reasons, mm-hmm. but the main one being that I just needed help. Mm. I'm very open with saying that now. And people freak out. They need a fridge. They want to cool down the bottles or they want to heat the bottles up. And sometimes you have to go to like a Westfield to find a change room. I mean, any good practical tips with things like that of how to feed the baby, you know, can is it okay just to pack a bottle and leave the house and then use the, whatever temperature the bottle's at to feed the baby? I think most mums these days are just, you know, room temperature, add the milk powder. Sometimes, I mean, the formulas these days, they mix up beautifully and it's, you know, no big deal. A good thing to remember if you're feeding by bottle, that the warmer the milk, the faster the flow through mm. the teat. So if you want to slow it down, room temperature probably works. And I think another way to check... In terms of baby-friendly facilities, so coffee shops, shopping centres, etc., you know all those Facebook forums, mums forums, and etc. You've only got to shout out and say, "I live in yep. Erskineville. Mm. Where do we go?" And a whole lot of supportive mums will go, "Right, don't go here, go <laughs> there, whatever. They're really good. They've got great facilities, whatever." So, I think that's probably the easiest way to, to check where you're comfortable. One of my first big outings was to Mother's Group. So Christy and I, we've been, we've talked about this on another episode. We had very different experience at mm. Mother's Group. I loved my Mother's Group. Christy left hers oh, after five it. minutes. hated it. Someone <laughs> told me that she made a roast dinner on her first night back from the hospital with the baby for her in-laws. And I went, wow, this is not the place that I'm going to thrive. Can't be bothered to make small talk. I'm just too tired. I could have persevered like Holly did because Holly loves it. You know, make oh, great friends. But it became miss, my Tuesday morning. I think it was like Tuesday morning at 10 whatever and in the early stages it was at the early childhood center because i live in a baby boom neighborhood right Mm. so the first day i turned up there i never i will never forget the sense of achievement i had that i drove my baby to this place by the appointed time made it upstairs to this place sat down took my seat in the circle of women like and looked around and everybody looked absolutely as knackered as me and I loved that so so I was it was an amazing thing for me but it's not for everybody of course but that Tuesday morning at 10 became my absolute non-negotiable must-do outing and for me it was very very sanity saving but thinking back that's probably like, I think the, I think that Matilda was six weeks. She might have even been less than that. Like, isn't that a room full of germy people and germy babies? Again, it's about balance, isn't it? That's your decision, and that's fine. Keeping mum's sanity healthy is just as important. So, uh, you know, I don't think that's the end of the world per se. So, and it, uh, it also depends on what time of the year. I don't know whether that yeah, was summer. Yeah, summer. Or, yeah, was summer. I think mm. that's a whole lot easier. Um, and in winter, it's a whole different ball game. So, speaking of winter, one thing I need to know because this just used to stress me out to the max. So, it's winter, but we need to get out. It's raining outside, and I mean, obviously, we can all walk out in the rain. You know, a couple of drops on the head is not going to hurt. But I mean, I freaked out because I took my little baby out and he got a bit of rain or he actually got quite a lot of rain from the car to the house. You know, couldn't get a park anywhere, blah, blah, blah. They're okay getting wet from the rain, aren't they? I mean, like, we give them a shower, we can give them a bath. A little bit of rain is not going to hurt them, is it? Dry off their little heads and they'll be fine. They are resilient. Sling a poncho over yourself, whatever. You know, you don't have someone running beside you with a... (laughs) With a lovely big umbrella, you know, yeah. your chauffeur, etc. So that's, you know, that's yeah. life. Husband was at work that day. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. you've got to do what you got to do. 
The other thing I used to do that I know not everybody approves of is I used to go to the Mums and Bubs movie sessions. Oh, I should have done that. <laughs> I don't know a lot about that. So what happens So what that? happens is, again, it's at 10am. There's a movie theatre relatively close to where I live. They would run these Mums and Bubs sessions 10am on a Monday morning. Basically, your babies are allowed to cry. No one else is there except for new mums. And they'll have any old movie on. But the thing is, is my baby was tiny. I used to just feed her. She'd go to sleep. And I'd just sit there with the baby in my arms and watch a movie. And I felt like a human. But some people would say too much stimulation, way too much stimulation for a baby. And look, admittedly, little babies, they'll go off, if they're in your arms, they'll go off to sleep. But yeah, I think I'd be a bit concerned about the sound. Mm. I wonder if it was quieter than a normal movie. Maybe I don't remember it was. that. But I just remember I thought that, it, that they... it was kind of, it was great because all these, you, if your baby did wake up, you could just walk around <laughs> yeah. jiggling them. No one was going to shout at you for having a screaming baby. Thing. And you just kind of felt. And I know it's not as important for all, but it was important for me, I think, to feel some connection still yeah, to the outside yeah. world. And, like, I saw a movie. Do you remember what movie you saw? Oh, I saw quite a few movies. I remember I saw, and I'll definitely get the bad <laughs> luck for R-rated? This. I think when I was on um, Mat Leave with Billy, I think I saw Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh! <laughs> Did you think about having another baby? <laughs> Because let's make another baby after Fifty Shades. Billy's emotionally scarred from that. <laughs> exactly. Luckily, he had no idea what was going on on the screen. Anyway, it's quite funny, but I think that, you know, you find the things that yes. work for you Absolutely. in terms of outings or not outings and whatever. Yes. But, um, so life is a bit real and there's a bit of That's balance. right. So you've got yourself organised and packed. You've made it out. Now everybody wants to touch your baby. They all want to come over, look in the pram and go, oh, and stick a finger in his mouth. Please don't let any dogs lick your baby. That's all you're thinking all the time. Don't come near me. Next on year one, how to deal with strangers who do want to touch your baby. You know your kid is cute, but what if strangers think the same thing and a nana comes up and starts pinching your baby's cheek? Oh, germs. Beth, we are much more aware than we used to be about germs and about the the possible effects of your baby coming into contact with viruses. How do we politely (laughs) stop people from doing that? Keep your baby in a pram and whip a muslin over the pram and if someone stops you because they want to have a look at your baby you can do a little there she is <laughs> goodbye isn't she lovely no, she's asleep <laughs> and and pop it back again i suppose you could have a conversation that said yes she, she's very new at the moment and um she hasn't had all her immunizations etc so i'm just a bit it's a personal thing really i think how you say it is a difficult thing yeah how that's you right. say it without offending people because it's always well intentioned but i think as you say people are uh, much more aware of personal space now and babies and new mothers and dealing with new mothers sensitivities and things what's something that we would actually have to worry about like what's okay I mean hypothetically if Nana is pinching the baby's cheeks can we be reassured that that probably the baby's going to be okay with germs versus something that we should actually be genuinely a bit more concerned about well I think certainly if you're at home and you've got family or friends or whatever visiting you the first thing you would ask them to do is go and wash their hands so it's Mm. really important the whole washing hand things and if you're in that nappy bag which we didn't mention you might have that little bottle of hand sanitizer etc most mothers these days have it whacked in their pram anyway so you can whip it out Mm. and just say where you go just do that with help yourselves yeah before you start poking baby (laughs) yeah so and what about kids like, say, is it worse if an, if a little eight-year-old wants to come up and touch the baby versus, say, an 80-year-old? Is that a thing or is it kind of a germ is a germ? A germ's a germ. I, it seems to me that when kids pick up 
germs, colds, viruses or whatever at daycare or school, it tends to be a lot more virulent when an adult picks it up and spreads it and kids spreads it through the family oh. home. I would probably be more concerned with what kids are picking up and a, and a child coming and touching my baby just from what they pick up at school. And at the moment we are dealing with a bit of a resurgence of whooping cough and all those things. So I would probably be more cautionary around kids um, uh, touching my, coming near my baby and touching my baby, I suppose, than elderly Nana. And I'd just be whipping that sanitizer, hand sanitizer. <laughs> does that change once you are up to date with your immunisations? Like at what point should we be really worried about that the first six weeks and then back off a bit? Well, first, the first immunisation protocols finish at six months mm. and that's all the big guns. That's whooping cough, cough and polio and um, hep B and rotavirus and all those things. And that first program finishes at six months where particularly with whooping cough, uh, influenza B, they're pretty well set up for their first immunisation. So after six months you can, you know, get a be a bit more real, I suppose. But mm-hmm. that first six months, that um, immunisation protocol is really important. So the classic thing of everybody comes to visit you in the hospital and passes the baby round oh, is kind of gone from... Is that, don't yeah, do that? No. Outdated. I, I, I know it happens, but... I, well, A, it's stimulating the baby, and B, you're in a hospital environment that's full of germs anyway. Um, I would certainly ask everybody to go and use the hippie cleanse or whatever before they came into the mum's ward. And I know it's really hard to manage, particularly with family, but... Mm. Absolutely. <laughs> that's what I remember. And poor old new mum's left with, with screaming unsettled baby. You know what nanas do? Mine, well, my mum certainly did. The old finger in the mouth to see if the teeth are coming in. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> What have you got there? And yeah. You're like, just stop. Don't do that. <laughs> That's not good, is it, Beth? Yeah, I probably wouldn't encourage that. <laughs> How annoying those you gums. Can't, and they can't, you know, like get rid of her finger either. They can't lift their own hands and just say, go away. No. Oh, bless me. Or they're not going to the mouth to stop them from crying. Yes. You know, the old mm. Or they stick their finger yeah. into it so they can suck yeah. it. Yeah, props not, not so much these days. It's just like, it, that's one of those things that, you know, how we were talking about where the, when your mum says, babies have changed in a slightly sarcastic, sarcastic way. Tone. Oh, yes. You go, no, but we do know a lot more than we used to know. Oh, that's a good response. Yeah. Yes. Is that for my mum? About says, germs. Oh, really? Yes. And uh, and how they get spread around. Yep. Okay. Beth Barclay, thank you so much for coming and talking to us on Year One again and being part of our dream team. If you want to get in touch with Beth, you can find her at mothercraftforbabies.com.au. Next up, a listener shares her personal story about people touching her baby and how she handled it. Natasha is a mum from Newcastle who had whooping cough as a baby. She had a very interesting first time out of the house visiting her family with people wanting to touch her baby. Welcome to Year One, Natasha. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Holly. How are you? (laughs) We are not bad. We're not bad at all. Um, Tell us, how did having whooping cough as a baby affect your decisions around how you were going to deal with your baby? Um, yeah, it made me pretty paranoid because mm-hmm. uh, I got whooping cough at like before I had my first vaccination, mm-hmm. and I had to be in an oxygen tent, and it was really and the doctors missed it. It was a child health nurse that picked it up, so it was just really uh, it made me really vigilant about making sure that people who were in contact with her um, had had the vaccination before she had. And so, was that yeah, a story really... that your parents had told you a lot about? I mean, because obviously you don't remember that, but is that a, that's no. a, a, a story that your parents had told you a lot that had obviously made you very hyper aware of, of that? 
Yes, definitely. Yeah, they, mum would tell me all the time and um, I would actually have, we had the wrong health advice for years and I used to have to miss out on the um, vaccination because they used to tell uh, people who had had it not to have the vaccination, which is actually wow. wrong. You're oh, supposed wow. to have a booster. Yeah. <laughs> so um, when I was pregnant, I was like, oh yeah, I think they said I don't need it. And they're like, no, no, you do. You should have had boosters. I was like, oh no. Mm. Oh, wow. So um, did you have so, boosters when you were pregnant? Yeah, I had the one that you have in your third trimester, yeah. um, which I think passes on a, like a low level of immunity to to the baby when they're born. Um, but yeah, they were still like anyone who's coming in contact with your bub before mm. their first vaccination, we'd recommend that they get the whooping cough vaccine. It's scary Sorry. enough getting outside of the house the first time you've had the baby in general, let alone all the, the extra things that you're terrified about coming into contact with the baby. What was it like for you the first time you went out of the house? Did you leave the house before your little bub was able to be immunised or did you wait the six weeks out and stay inside? Um, I, I didn't wait the six weeks out. I sort of thought that I would. I thought mm. because of how worried I was about it, but I actually was going kind of insane. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. got to get out. Mm-hmm. So it was my niece's first birthday party. Like, it was a really low-key first birthday party. It was just family. But um, we thought, oh, no, it'll be good to get out of the house and stop being so stir-crazy. But I was still pretty nervous about it, especially as, yeah, my little niece was sick quite often because she has to go to daycare and it's normal, of course. But I was like, oh, God, how am I going to deal with it? And <laughs> the politics, family and illness and children. And So how did it play out? What was it like when you were out there? Um, oh, well, look, it, it went okay. Like, as far as they probably were aware, everything was fine except for I, like, was doing a lot of hushed, slightly aggressive whispers to my husband <laughs> about, like, why are they coming near us? Like, oh, my mother-in-law had mentioned that my sister-in-law had a chest infection and she just hadn't, like, said anything. And I was like, oh, my God, she's oh trying my. to, like infect all her and oh no and I was just like I was like you have to get them away you have to get them away and he ended up taking her up to the yard which is I had totally forgotten about but he reminded me last night that he took her up like they had this big sloping yard and he took her up the backyard um just to sort of give me time to calm down about it because I got quite sort of freaked out about so it. were just, relatives coming up and saying can we have a cuddle and you were saying no or were they not even getting that uh, far? My sister-in-law was coming up and being really close to me and my daughter mm. and, you know, my my brother-in-law was also sick and there was, and um, I just was, yeah, I didn't handle it very well at all, but I kept it all pretty private. I had sort of like a private between me and my husband little meltdown about it. But, um, yeah, it was we were pretty um, hypersensitive about it. And my, my sister-in-law also told me her horrific birth story the first time I went out of the house. So that was pretty... Oh, um, gosh, it's all happened for you. <laughs> so do you think, with hindsight, Natasha, would you be one of the... You know, we, we see a lot these days of people putting out there before they have their baby. If you want to cuddle my baby, make sure you have your vaccinations. If you want to cuddle my baby, make sure you've washed your hands and all those things. And people actually put that out on social media and things before they even get to the family barbecue. Did you do that or think about doing that or would you think about doing that now? Oh, I'm so bad at confrontation. <laughs> um, mm. At the same time as being really protective, I'm really bad at trying to, to, to say things to people. So I actually, I didn't do that. But I mean, we're both kind of private. So I guess we it, people weren't that surprised that we kind of wanted to be pretty low-key for the first few weeks anyway. Mm. So it, it wasn't a big deal in that regard. And anyone that really wanted to visit were like, oh, we're just waiting to 
till she's had her vaccinations and we're just, you know, trying to get a grip on stuff. So that's kind of how we got around it. And were people generally um, respectful of that? Yes, people generally were. Um, yeah, people were pretty good, so we were lucky. But, yeah, I, I couldn't deal with sort of putting a big thing out on Facebook. I just felt that was just a bit full on for, yeah. for, and, and not really in my personality so it would have been kind of weird. Oh, you're so sweet, Natasha. <laughs> Especially for just becoming a mother. You seem like you had such a great temperament. When you went out oh, of the house, well, that's okay. I mean, it. You, you just sound lovely. So what a wonderful mother you sound like. Um, when you went out of the house and you had the experience at the first birthday party, did you feel glad that you decided to leave the house even before your daughter had demonizations? And was it easier like to, to keep going out after that time or did that just put a bad taste in your mouth and you thought, you know what, I'm just not leaving the house now until she's six weeks old? <laughs> um, no, it did get easier. Um, I mean, I was I, I can't. We have these huge bottles of hand sanitizer all through our house, uh-huh. and um, like we were thinking about how much we washed our hands. Like we just washed our hands. So, I mean, it's great to wash your hands, but I mean, we washed our hands probably like way too many times. Yeah, we were pretty good after that. We started to get a lot better, and I met a really lovely sort of organically built mothers group which really helped me get more confident about getting out of the house with her and not being so freaked out and paranoid about the germs and public and how to deal with it. So that was really helpful. I still get a little bit paranoid sometimes when I go to like a birthday party and someone goes, oh yeah, my child was projectile vomiting last night and gone off for food. And then I'm like, oh great, they're just like drooled all over their hands and they're holding hands and ah! Oh, welcome to the rest of your life, Natasha. That's right. Gets easier. Soon enough you'll be at childcare and there'll be like some snotty kid who's trying to pass your kid. Or as Billy said to me the other day, he said, do you ever do tongue to tongue? (laughs) And I was like, "Uh, Billy, uh, who are you doing tongue to tongue with? And he goes, oh, Luca, at at daycare, Luca. And I'm just like, oh, my God. Germs, germs, germs. (laughs) Natasha would not be coping with that. She no, wouldn't. I would not. No, I would not be coping. <laughs> but I'll have to cope. Like she's already eating dust, and we have a golden retriever, so she eats a pretty, a pretty fair amount of golden retriever hair. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> were you ever worried about how worried you were? Did you ever mm. feel like it was tipping over into anxiety? Yeah, definitely. So I did actually. Um, I guess I'm still, in a way, getting over postnatal depression. So mm. I did, and I am an anxious person to begin with. So I kind of had. I started seeing a psychologist while I was pregnant because I was a little bit worried that it would happen and it kind of, well, it did happen. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, so I did definitely sort of tip into that and I have to sort of keep a check on myself and I try and just talk to people in my life and my mum and I luckily have a really lovely relationship with my mother-in-law and they both sort of keep me quite grounded and go, yeah, okay, hang on, just take a step back. And so, yeah. But I definitely, yeah, I go there and I still go there sometimes, but I'll try and... It sounds like you're doing the right things, though, in terms of, like, talking to a psychologist before you even had Orla and then, you know, keeping check-in with everybody. It sounds like you're doing your best to keep, you know, do the right Mm. things by yourself, which is just fantastic. You sound great, Natasha. I hope so. I hope I am, but yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today on year one. Thank you. Thank you for having me so much. I was so excited to be on and, and I love your stories about Billy Holly. I'm so oh <laughs> there are so many of those. We could He's be here be all day. Sounds good. They both are. We'll be back with more year one in a moment. If you love podcasts as much as we do, Mamma Mia has so many shows that you can listen to while you're up in the middle of the night feeding your baby. Here is another fantastic recommendation. Hey there, mum. 
It's a bit of a weird name to get used to, isn't it? Here at Mamma Mia, we like to call you an early adopter. I know, super cool, right? You know, and we know, that podcasts are the best, the freaking best, but not everyone knows about them yet or how to get them, which is why we made a podcast app. It's hundreds of hours of entertainment from parenting to life hacks to interviews with big name celebs, all for free. So you can go about your life now that you're a busy mum and still be in touch with what everyone's talking about. So if you know someone that hasn't discovered podcasts yet, tell them about the Mamma Mia podcast app. It's free and it's available on Android and iOS. Just search for it in your app store. The Mamma Mia podcast app. So easy, even a baby could do it. Every episode, Christy Hayes gives us her personal insight into one of the most memorable milestones no one ever tells you about from your first year. Christy, have you got one for me today? I do, actually. You know what? Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's Let's not talk about you and me, but (laughs) I think it's important the first time that you sort of want to get a bit more intimate with your partner because you can't do it for such a long amount of time and then the baby comes along and you're bleeding and it's painful. And I remember the first time that we said, oh, well, you know, let's the baby sleeping. The baby didn't sleep for very long, naturally, because he knew that mummy and daddy wanted to get get intimate. And I remember us just kind of going there naturally. And I think it was about four weeks after I had given birth, and that's not always popular because they generally say six weeks. But I felt ready within my own body. And to be honest, I wasn't one of those women that particularly felt crazily horny when I was pregnant, like a lot of women do. And it was something that I really craved to be close to my yeah, hubby sure. afterwards. And I mean, luck would have it, we created another baby, so I'm probably. <laughs> should have held out people's advice and waited a little bit longer but it was a nice thing to do, do you think you, after the baby. Do you think you conceived your baby the first time you had sex after you I had... I think it'd have to have been it was either that or his Christmas party and to be honest I can't remember much about that. <laughs> Might have been, I hope not because we had like three bottles of Pinot Grigio. So I think it was the first time or at least the second time afterwards. Wow it is a big moment because everything's changed in your body. So some women don't get there for months. Some women don't get there for months. Some women don't feel like it for months and you feel different and your vagina is different you've had a baby but look if you feel like you're ready to go there absolutely get in there get intimate with your partner because it's a nice thing to to be intimate and close to one another when you're going through a really stressful time exactly you know and remember so, why it is that you're into each other exactly in how just, you ended up with this baby that's exactly right place. but just be careful and not make another one like i did <laughs> <laughs> Wrapping up our episode of Year One. Thank you so much to Beth Barclay and to our listener, Natasha. Next episode, what are babies expected to do and when? We talk to our resident paediatrician about milestone paranoia and when and if you should actually be worried. This podcast is made possible by Philips Avent Baby Products. Our producer is Kelly Glover and the executive producer of podcasts is Monique Bowley. I'm Holly Wainwright, head of entertainment and host of parenting podcast This Glorious Mess. And I'm Christy Hayes and you can find us on Facebook at Year One with Baby. And if you liked what you heard in this episode of Year One, please give us a five-star review on iTunes and subscribe to the show on the Mamma Mia podcast app. You can buy any book mentioned on our podcasts from iBooks at apple.co forward slash Mamma Mia, where you can also subscribe to all of our other shows in one place. Thanks for listening. Somebody needs to tell you, so I'm going to. Your baby is beautiful and you're doing a great job. <laughs>